What's up, PTB Nation? Welcome to episode 86, Parking the Bus. I'm the Mr. Mike Augustine. You're here with you again. It's been a little while since we've talked. I know we missed a few a few uh, key events to talk about, so I will be bringing you some upset some episodes in the future. Uh, excuse me there. Episodes in the future reviewing the Champions League final, the Liga Mekis final, things like that. All right, that's all coming your way. Uh, we'll do some lookbacks at it, but... Um, I nearly went live last week when this news broke, what I'm about to talk about today. Two key stories that happened within a day of each other, but they were so big and there was so much to go over that I've actually been trying to research more and more to, to understand better what we're going to talk about today. So I hope that I can give you a good informative hour or so here tonight talking about the... World Cup 2026 host cities have been announced by FIFA. Yeah, by FIFA, not by the hosting committee, not by, you know, the United bid, so to speak. It was FIFA and uh, that just nauseating sight of Johnny Infantino who went on our televisions on Fox on FS1. Um, and it was just nauseating. I, I don't know a better word, vomit inducing whenever that guy goes on my screen. Um I'll talk about that in a minute as well, I, what I thought of FS1's coverage here in the United States and how they made even this into a huge spectacle. This is really FIFA being FIFA and Fox being Fox, to be honest with you. But again, 16 cities selected. There were some snubs, some surprises. And I have a, I actually have a final thought on that when we, when we get to the end of that segment uh, regarding that. And I'm making myself a note right now to 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 talk about it on what I think about the overall uh, decisions and I, don't know, I guess some sentiments I have for the cities that were left out, especially for a couple of them. Um, so we'll get to that, like I said, in this next hour or so. And also after that, we're going to talk about the new Major League Soccer MLS broadcast. I can't really say broadcast streaming TV deal. With Apple TV Plus, um, there's been a lot of negative feedback out there on the interwebs and even in the mainstream about this. But I have a different take. Um, of course, I've been a streamer for almost a decade now. I cut the cord. I cut the cable cord almost ten years ago. So for me, this is this is great news. But I really think this is the right decision, and I think MLS is ahead of the the curve here. And I'll explain this a little bit later in the second half of the episode tonight. But we're going to start talking about World Cup 2026. That's the main focus right now. Um, as you know, we call it the United Bid. Canada, United States, and Mexico. 16 cities selected to host. And if you're watching live right now or if you're watching, you know, after the fact on demand, whether you're watching on YouTube or on Patreon, uh, excuse me, not Patreon, on on Twitter or wherever, we don't have a Patreon here. But um, if you're watching, wherever you're watching, you'll see scrolling along the bottom uh, the cities as I give congratulations to Vancouver, Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles. I put Inglewood in quotes because there were two Los Angeles bids, Guadalajara, Monterrey, Mexico City, Dallas in Arlington, of course, Houston, Kansas City, Atlanta, Miami, Philadelphia, New York by way of East Rutherford, 
Boston by way of Foxborough and Toronto. Okay, those are your 16 cities. So let's look over it one more time, and I'll give you some more specifics of the cities that were selected. We'll start there, okay? I'll start with the two Canadian cities. Uh, Vancouver by way of BC Place, okay? Uh, BC Place will be the stadium in Vancouver. It's where the Vancouver Whitecaps play. It's where the Vancouver's CFL uh, franchise club, whatever they use in the CFL, plays, okay? Um, I'm not going to pretend to know anything about the CFL. But uh, it has a capacity of 54,500. It's a good-sized capacity at, um, at BC Place. As you probably know, uh, BC Place is an artificial surface. So this is one of the many stadiums that will have to replace the surface with or at least lay a grass surface over the artificial surface. It's in 2022. It's it's an easy process, I imagine. By 2026, it's going to be an even easier process. Um Especially because, although with a couple of these stadiums, there's going to be a little caveat. I'll get into that in a moment as well. Um, but a little, it's a little caveat regarding the changing over of the pitch from artificial to natural grass. It's something that's going to be a little smoother, I think, in the NFL stadiums that do not house Major League Soccer teams. And I'll explain why in a moment. But... Again, 54,500 inside of BC Place in Vancouver. Beautiful site. Uh, I've never been there, but uh, it looks absolutely gorgeous on television. Uh, it hosted, if I'm not mistaken, the opening ceremonies for the Winter Olympics when they were in Vancouver. Uh, I think it was actually remodeled for that for that event. And um, again, many white the Whitecaps have played there since their inception. And... Um, all around it, it's a no-brainer. They had they had pulled out actually. Vancouver had pulled out of the running for a little while, and it would have been a shame if the World Cup had come to North America, come to Canada, and not gone to BC Place, to Vancouver, to the very cosmopolitan, you know, West Coast city of Vancouver. Um, again, congrats to them, like to all the other cities. But also in Canada, the other state, uh, the other city chosen as a host in. Canada is Toronto, obviously. Uh, they are the, the that it's not the capital of Canada, but it is the cultural uh, mecca of Canada, the cultural hub. Uh, the majority of Canada's population live, you know, very close to the to the Toronto metropolitan area, if not within the metropolitan area of Toronto. BMO Field is the name of the stadium. They won't call it that during the World Cup. I'll, I'll hit on that in a little bit as well. But we'll call it BMO Field right now. Uh, capacity at the moment is 30,000. It will be expanded to 45,500 for the World Cup. Uh, this is the one stadium that needs the most work because of the capacity um, requirements. Rogers Center would not have been a option because the Toronto Blue Jays of Major League Baseball play there. You would have had plenty of attendance, and they could easily put a, a, a natural playing surface in, into Rogers Center, formerly known as the Sky Dome. But again, uh, Toronto Blue Jays are not going to be playing baseball away for upwards of six weeks because FIFA – I guess I'll get into this first. FIFA takes – from my understanding, and this was the case in past – World Cups, and I assume it will be the the case in 2026. FIFA 
takes over ownership of the stadium, I think, 30 days before the start of the competition. Uh, or at least 30 days before that stadium hosts a match. This comes in because we've seen in the past uh, when, and I think UEFA does the same thing in the Euros. We've seen where, for example, in England, the FA Cup final gets moved earlier, pushed back, or I should say pushed up to uh, an earlier date because UEFA is going to come in and take over Wembley at a later date. And, um, you know, it's... It's going to happen here, too. So these are both Major League Soccer stadiums. This is going to be an interesting scheduling thing. If that's the case, okay, um, this is going to be an interesting scheduling thing for Major League Soccer to work around because they're not going to have access to these fields for something like 30 days before the start of the tournament. Uh, we saw this in Germany as well uh, back in 2006 where the league finished early in order to to you know accommodate that requirement from FIFA. So both of these stadiums are uh, these are the two Canadian stadiums. Both of them are major league soccer stadiums, and one needs to replace the playing service or needs to install a new one, and the other needs to install about fifteen thousand seats, fifteen thousand five hundred seats. So they'll both have work to do between now and then. I expect that the the construction on the stadium will happen well in advance to 2026 they're not i don't see them waiting until you know six months before to start building the stand i i doubt it from the overhead looks of the stadium if you look at it on google maps or on google earth you can see that that at one end zone there's nothing but space to build on and that's probably where they will put a stand that could easily hold 15,500 or so fans there's a lot of open space that you can fill in with additional seating so um Interestingly, Toronto's BMO Field is the only soccer-specific Major League Soccer stadium that will be used in this uh, in this World Cup. Of course, the the Mexican stadiums are all soccer-specific. But again, so the, those are the two Canadian cities. And again, like I said, uh, they're going to have to grow grass in Vancouver. I don't know how that's going to affect the Whitecaps' home schedule prior to the tournament. I think Major League Soccer is planning to shut down for the entire month. Now with the, you know, invention of the League's Cup coming up starting next year, starting in 2023, as it's going to look going forward. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the League's Cup is played in a, either in an abbreviated format in 2026 or if it's played almost exclusively in, well, actually, you could play it in the soccer-specific stadiums, whereas teams that don't have a, teams whose stadiums will be used in the World Cup may have to find an alternate home, the way, you know, New York City FC has used Hartford, has used uh, Red Bull, um, things like that. Perhaps, uh, perhaps TFC will have to play home games somewhere else or play all away games in the League's Cup that year. Oh, I don't know how they're going to do it, but uh, I'm sure they're going to do it. The, there's one thing that, you know, Major League Soccer can do. They can work around schedules. They've done it before, so I don't I don't uh, doubt them at all. So, again, uh, recapping, the playing surface at BC Place will have to be natural grass. Not, familiar, not that familiar with the climate of, of Vancouver. I don't know how much time you need to grow grass in Vancouver. They're probably going to order sod and roll it out, but it's got to stay alive. It's got to root because when the, when the 
pitch when the turf does not root. You get what we get when we have these champions, uh, what do you call it, the International Champions Cup matches here in the United States, where they just lay it the, the, the grass down over the artificial surface, and it comes up and strips every time somebody digs their heels into the ground. You can't have that at the World Cup. These pitches are going to have to – they're going to have to root. So my guess is that they got to be planted in the springtime sometime in – in uh, April or something, they're going to use artificial lighting and stuff too, uh, you know, and maybe even heating to keep this to keep these grass surfaces growing and rooting throughout the you know cooler weather that you'll have in March, April, and even into May to get this ready for June 11th, which will be the start of this World Cup 2026. June 11, 2026, you can start the countdown now if you want. Um, so that's going to be the big work at BC Place. And like I said, BMO Field, as we're going to call it for now, it's going to have a different name for that month. Um, and I'll explain that why. I'll explain why to that as the episode goes on. Uh, they'll have to build, like we said, the 5,000, 15,000, excuse me, 500 seats in Mexico now. Mexico, three Three locations as well. Three stadiums selected. The Azteca, the mythical Azteca that some Mexican journalists and fans are calling to host the final. They didn't get the press release or they didn't get the message when FIFA said the quarterfinals onward will all be played in the United States. They're calling for the finals to be played in the Azteca for the third time. Now, the Azteca is a mythical stadium, but the final is going to be in the United States. Okay, there. There's if there's one thing FIFA loves, it is profit. And there's no question. There's a reason the Mexican national team plays more games in the United States, more home games in the United States than they play in Mexico, than they play at the Azteca. It's about the profit. So I I would bet everything that the the World Cup final will not be played in Mexico City. Uh in fact I've read that it I have read in various places. That from the quarterfinals on, it will be in the United States. Um, but no doubt, this is a fantastic stadium. Right now, listed at a uh, capacity of 87,523 at the Azteca. Uh, it will need some some small renovations, from what I understand from the Mexican media that I do follow, um, and the Mexican American media as well. And um, yeah, it's it's listen, it's one of the it's one of the wonders of the world. I mean. You think of the mythical stadium still standing in world football. Okay. You think of, you know, you think of Wembley, you think uh, of the Bernabeu, the Camp No, you think of the San Siro, you think of perhaps the Olympic Stadion in Berlin. Right after that, right after that, for me, it's, it's, the Maracana in Rio de Janeiro, and then it's it's the Azteca in Mexico City as far as lore and as far as the romanticism, the nostalgia, just the, the bigness of it. These are stadiums that used to hold well over 100,000. Um, no doubt if you're going to have a World Cup in Mexico, you're going to use Estadio Azteca, and um, I'm sure it's going to be ready to host the Mexican team's games. Um they're saying each stadium will host up to six matches. So it seems like as I as I've gone around, and thanks to YouTube, by the way, I've been able to get to watch news reports from all these various cities, uh, whether in the United States, Canada, or in Mexico, from their from their local news. And one thing that's been consistent is everyone's saying they're going to get six to eight matches or up to six matches. So we'll see how that 
plays out, how it actually falls when when the schedule is made and when the matches are are you know scheduled, how many times each stadium is going to be used. But uh, it may be different in Mexico because Mexico will be hosting 10 matches, if I'm not mistaken, and Canada hosting 10 matches. I've also heard that, so I don't see – I don't know how – how uh, Azteca may get six in that case. Um, perhaps Azteca gets six, two in Monterrey, two in Guadalajara. Speaking of which, the other two stadiums, Monterrey's Estadio BBVA, um, again, won't be called that during the World Cup. Uh, but for now, we're going to call it Estadio BBVA. It's, in, it's actually in, the, in Guadalupe, in Nuevo León. And it is the home of Reados, the home of Monterrey. And uh, it's a beautiful new stadium built just a few years ago, capacity of 53,500. And it says in the bid book that the capacity was is listed at 53,460. That's only a 40 seat difference. Um, already has a beautiful natural grass surface and very nice high stands. Um, all the seats look very close to the action. And it's a, uh, you know, it's got a beautiful backdrop of the mountains in the background. Uh, obviously, Monterrey, you can hear the king of the mountain. In that name, you can make it so you know it's a mountainous region uh, with that name. And I think it's going to be a fantastic location, no doubt. Uh, we'll see. What remains to be seen is what time these matches are going to be scheduled. Because if there's one thing that they have absolutely, FIFA has absolutely butchered, in the past, when hosting World Cup matches in Mexico and in the United States, it's the, the game on the pitch has suffered because of the time it's been scheduled to cater to a European television audience. I'm going to be the first one to say here, I don't think FIFA's going to do that this time. I think FIFA's focus and their target audience is not in Europe anymore. Bear with me for a minute. FIFA is much more, much more concerned about the money that comes out of Asia, out of Southeast Asia, the Middle East, places like that. Okay, they they got more money to make in these large countries around the world, not necessarily in in Europe or Western Europe, as they have traditionally always kind of scheduled the matches to to suit that television audience. I. Don't think you're going to see matches played at high noon anymore, which in Mexico, 86, Mexico, 70, USA, 94, you had West Coast matches being played at, at noon, which makes no sense in the summer when temperatures are up of over 90 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, I think I could be wrong, but I, I really think that the Copa America Centenario back in 2016 was very much a dry run for what a World Cup in 2026 might look like, logistically speaking. Matches were played at 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern time, if I'm not mistaken. Perhaps a little bit different than that. A little late in Europe, but you know what? I love your, I love Europe. You guys know that. I love my European family. I love my friends, but they're going to stay up and watch these matches anyway. Okay? And... The amount of people that live in Europe, okay, is lower than the amount of people that live in the Far East, the amount of people that live in Southeast Asia, in India, for example. 
pushing these games times f closer to prime time here in the United States. First of all, capitalizes on a U.S. Canada and basically the entire Western Hemisphere, everything in North and South America. It, it, it's prime time for all of these viewers, all of these populations. You got you got massive populations in the United States, Mexico, uh, Brazil, Argentina, specifically. Okay, those are some massive populations. It also coincides with early morning and probably better viewing times in Asia, Australia, maybe a bit more in the middle of the night in India. But you can see why no time zone is perfect. Okay, no time zone is perfect. But I wonder what time they are going to kick off the majority of these matches. Um, I think the final is a different story. The final... Is a different story. And I think they're going to fit the final into a traditional time window. But they can't play every match. You can't have the last match of each day kicking off at 3 p.m. anymore. Like it does on our television screens here in the United States. Okay. Um, it's just too hot everywhere except for the stadiums that have a covered roof like BC Place. And like some of the ones I'll talk about in a few moments. But. It's just going to be interesting to see how they do this. But again, if these matches are not scheduled at the hottest part of the day every day, these Mexican facilities will do a great job. The, the, this will be great. The, the football will suffer if these matches are played constantly in the bright sunshine and you know the, the scorching heat, which if you go back and watch videos of Mexico 70, Mexico 86, and USA 94 – there are very, very few night matches, and I don't, I don't, uh, I don't foresee that for this United 2026 World Cup. But we'll wait and see. FIFA will come out with the details. I could be completely wrong, but I'm at least giving you my my reasoning as to why I think it may be different. Now, there's a lot of people since this came out. That's why I waited. It's a lot of people running off opinions that are just based on no fact at all. Some with very large followings, mind you. Um, I actually saw people upset that, for example, Las Vegas was not selected on the selection show. That Chicago was not selected. Now, these cities were not in the running. But that doesn't stop people to go, go into their platforms and showing shock <laughs> and saying, what? You know, but honestly, to the best of my knowledge, I'm making an educated guess based on what I I've seen, what I've observed, what I've learned, what I've read in the past. Uh, I think that the game times are going to be more catered to the North and South American audience and the Asian audience. And there's a happy medium you can find where you hit prime time and breakfast time. So you hit prime time in, in our part of the world, breakfast time in uh, Asia and in Australia. And it won't shock me if that's what happens. It may shock a lot of, you know, Eurocentric viewers, which I used to be one. Let me, let me be honest with you. I used to be very Eurocentric as of when I started this podcast. And by way of doing this podcast and by watching different leagues and different football, I've opened up my, my perspective. I've seen it through a larger lens and FIFA has indicated in many, many decisions that they have made 
that their primary concern is not Europe. To the point where they're they they have completely you know completely pissed off UEFA to no end, uh, continuing to add matches. Okay, FIFA has learned that their voting blocks are not in Europe; that they can defeat Europe with the rest of the world voting with them, and it has in some way leveraged a sort of soccer civil war, if you will, within the game. And you see Comneball now in UEFA starting to, to, to come up with competitions together like the Finalissima, you know, and they're talking about, about South American teams joining the UEFA Nations League. So you can see that, that Comneball and UEFA are trying to make a, a serious threat that they could break away if they wanted to. And while FIFA cannot afford to lo obviously lose those two confederations, they know they can still keep them at bay while maximizing the support, the profit that comes from the rest of the world. And uh, we'll see how this all plays out. Like I said, the last stadium in Mexico, before I get too far off topic, Estadio Akron also will not be called that. <laughs> um, uh, in Guadalajara, home of Chivas, Guadalajara. And in, in the city is located in the city of Zapo. Zapopan in the state of Jalisco, okay? And Guadalajara's stadium holds 49,852nd smallest stadium in the World Cup behind only BMO Field in Toronto. So those are the two smallest stadiums with with capacities under 50,000. And um, again, Guadalajara hosted many matches in 86 and in 70. So did Monterrey. Um, not in these two stadiums, but in their predecessors. And same goes. If the matches are at a reasonable time of day or night, I think these will be fantastic. Uh, these will be fantastic hosts. Now, I do believe that I'm double checking here. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, nope. It is a it is a natural surface at Estadio Acron. I thought it was a, an artificial surface. I believe it had been at one time. Looks like it's natural grass now. Okay, moving on to the United States and to the 11 cities, or should I say stadiums, selected to host. Um, we'll start with the, the biggest uh, markets, if you will. The largest market of them all, and they hosted the selection special. New York, New York, New York, as Fra as Frank Sinatra said. Um, yes, I know the stadiums in New Jersey. Everybody knows the stadiums in New Jersey. So the comments about that are, are, are just ridiculous. Everybody knows that MetLife Stadium, as it's called, is located in East Rutherford, New Jersey. It's still in the New York media market. It's still in the New York area. Why is it that in our sport, our fans of our sport, why is they always make fun of the Red Bulls or before that the Metro Stars? Because they play in New Jersey. They're not in New York. Now, I've never heard anybody criticize the New York football giants of playing, of, of not being a New York team because their stadiums across the Hudson River in New, in New Jersey. Nobody has ever criticized the New York Jets because their stadium is across the river 
in New Jersey? Why is it in our sport? Our fans have to be so stuck up. I'm sorry to say stuck up, snobbish, to, to laugh at something like this. Listen, it's right there. When you are in East Rutherford, New Jersey, and you turn on your FM dial, all of your radio stations come from New York City. Your television stations that you catch off an antenna, off rabbit ears, if you still have those, are from New York City. It is the New York area. The fact that they even labeled it New York, New Jersey was just to appease the, the, the state governments in New Jersey to you know, contribute and to take on a role in this hosting thing. Make no mistake. New York is the, the host of these games. FanFest will be in New York City. When tourists come to watch their team play, they may, they may book a room in New Jersey. I suggest Connecticut. I must say, as I plan my upcoming parking the bus tour, much, much better to, I, I'm going to say, book your hotel in Connecticut. Okay, book it in Connecticut. The rates are much better in Connecticut than they are in New York or New Jersey. But anyway, when they get out of their hotel room, they're going to New York City. They're going to see Times Square. They're going to see the Statue of Liberty. They're going to see the Empire State Building or the Chrysler Center. They're going to go to One Rock. They're going to they're gonna see the sights in New York City. New York is hosting the World Cup. Make no mistake about it. And please stop with the snobbery. Now, MetLife Stadium, as we call it, again, I guess I better, I keep alluding to it, so I better explain. And I had heard this before, and one of the newscasts, actually the one right here in my region in, in Boston, did verify that like 30 days or so before the World Cup arrives, I said this, and this will also affect the New England Revolutions, you know, schedule that spring and that summer but the sign that says Gillette Stadium will come down it's been verified by local media and the sign will go up that FIFA FIFA is calling it Boston World Cup Stadium MetLife will likely become the New York New Jersey World Cup Stadium because that's probably why they put the word New Jersey in the in the bid they want state money from New Jersey. Okay, the organizers wanted some some money to be pitched in from the local government. They're going to put the name New Jersey in there for that reason. So when you pull into MetLife Stadium in June of 2026, you will be pulling into New York, New Jersey World Cup Stadium. This is what they did in Germany starting in 06. They have done it in South Africa. They did it for sure in Brazil because I know that the the Neo Chemica Arena, where Corinthians play, was rechristened the Corinthians Arena. A couple others were rechristened with a different name as well. Um, FIFA is not going to allow you to put your name on a stadium that they are now holding for 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 you know six weeks. Like I said, FIFA essentially in the bid. And in the agreement, on top of requiring all kinds of tax breaks from the local organizers, also takes over the stadium and takes over ownership 
and renames all of these stadiums because they don't want Met. They're not giving MetLife any any uh, any money. They're not letting them advertise at their World Cup. They're not letting Gillette advertise at their World Cup. They're not letting BMO advertise. They're not going to let Akron in or BBVA, BBVA Bank in Mexico. They're not going to allow NRG in Houston, AT&T in Dallas. They're not going to allow these these brands these to be advertised for free on their product. This is part of what FIFA requires. And I have heard it at least confirmed here in my local media that that's going to be the case here. And I'm going to make a safe assumption that that goes across the country now. Um that these stadiums will all be rechristened and all of the sold name rights are going to be dropped for the time which they belong to FIFA. Um, that means no other events during the World Cup also. Remember that. Uh, no concerts, no MLS matches, no American football preseason ma- games, whatever. Um, not during FIFA's window of time. And the amount of money they're saying... and. I heard estimates from different cities, but they're all in the ballpark of about $500 million to their local economies. They will happily hand those, those naming rights over for a period of time. Now, uh, where I left off, eh, New York, New Jersey. I still want to call this Giant Stadium. I know that Giant Stadium is a parking lot now. It's where you park to watch matches at the at this MetLife Stadium. But I am old school when it comes to that. I hate these these uh, corporate named stadiums. I don't remember them. I don't try to remember them. Um, I choose to just uh, remember them by their traditional names. But anyway, this new Giants Stadium, if you will, uh, holds eighty two thousand five hundred. But in the bid. They slated it to hold 87,157. That must be where, what it will hold for the World Cup. And I think this is the stadium that's going to host the final, in my opinion. Uh, if we don't run out of time, I'll explain why. But I do I do believe deep down in it. I don't believe I'm, ha- I'm having an East Coast bias here. I really, again, going back to what I said, I think that Copa America Centenario in 2016 was very much a dry run for the this 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 World Cup. That final was held in this stadium, New York, New Jersey, as they're calling it, and it had a huge crowd, and it has all the amenities. Okay, again, the other thing that's easy. This is something that works against the West Coast that they don't want to admit. New York, first of all, you have you have uh, inter- two international uh, airports in very close proximity. You have Kennedy, and you have and you have Newark Liberty Airport. Okay, to take in international flights, you still have uh, other. Airports for domestic flights, you have LaGuardia. Not that far away is Bradley and Hartford, uh, the Hartford, Connecticut airport. Okay, That airport could, could see travelers headed to New York, travelers headed to New England. So you're gonna, Providence is not all that far away when you think about it. If you need to get a flight into the New York area and everything is booked, you'll drive an extra hour or two from Providence, Hartford, or from... From Newark, for example, 
to get even from Philadelphia to get to New York. Okay. Um, I think that's why New York is going to host the final. There are a lot of international airports and a lot of hotels much closer to it from various points of entrance from around the world, not domestically. And New York is closest to Europe, where the majority of the bureaucrats at FIFA are going to fly in from. And when they're going to fly in, they're going to fly into New York, most likely. And they're going to want to be in the Big Apple, as they call it. I think, I could be wrong, but I think that New York will be chosen to host the final. And if we don't run out of time, I'll give you a little more thoughts on that. But let's move ahead. That is uh, New York's, you know, stadium. Again, this is not the home of an MLS team. So they can plan. They can literally get it ready the day that the Giants or the Jets season is over in January. Okay. They can roll the sod on the first day of, of spring in March. And it will root by... Of course, if I'm wrong, landscapers out there, if I'm wrong, you can let me know uh, at Mike Agostino right there on your screen at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. You can let me know if I'm wrong about this, but I believe that if you plant it in March, in June, the roots will be nice and strong and uh, you will have a very good playing surface on the stadium that I believe is going to host the final. All right, moving on to perhaps the largest stadium. Okay, this is the largest stadium in the entire bid. It is Dallas, Texas, or Arlington, Texas, if you want to be precise. I just chewed out everyone who who uh, nitpicks at New York for, for the stadium being in New Jersey. In Dallas, AT&T Stadium is what we call it. It'll be called the Dallas World Cup Stadium, I'm pretty sure. Uh, that is located in Arlington, Texas, just outside. Capacity right now of 80,000, but they're Bid book capacity. So what the organizers gave to FIFA says it it is it can hold in a, a capacity of 92,967, and it's expandable to 105,000, which it's done on a couple of occasions where it's broke 100,000. Um, why don't I think that this one is going to host the final? I think it's all location. Um I absolutely believe it's all location. Um, how many worldwide companies have, and think about the sponsors that FIFA has. Think about their global sponsors. How many are, have locations in Dallas? How many have locations in New York? This is another reason I think New York is going to be selected. In 1994, I know I was 11 years old, but I, I can tell you, and I've, you know, I've read about this over the years. But in 1994, the Rose Bowl was selected to host the final. And it was actually a huge risk because the organizers didn't know how popular this World Cup was going to be in the United States. But they chose the biggest stadium with the highest capacity. Because in 1994, FIFA's main source of revenue or biggest, you know, interest, biggest uh, concern was attendance. They wanted the highest attendance possible. That's not been the case, at least since 2006, okay? And I think that 2006 is really the blueprint for modern World Cups. 2006 brought you the first, you know, organized fan fests, and we've talked about these fan fests in the fan parks. Um, 
I, I think I started to talk to it without going into detail. This is the fan fest was something that did not exist in 1994. Okay. It did not exist. Um, in 1994, much fewer supporters traveled to the world cup. FIFA banked and, and while people did travel, I'm not saying they didn't, but the stadiums were mostly filled by Americans. Okay. And Americans would, would travel to see the team of their, ancestral home up here in new england it was it was greece it was italy it was uh ireland that played in the northeast not here in boston or in new england but they played in giant the old giant stadium argentina played up here okay nigeria played up here okay all of these these countries have solidified communities in the northeast and they were enough to fill the stadium the number of traveling supporters now is is you know tenfold more. So in 1994, the Rose Bowl was selected because it was the biggest stadium that could host the most, hold the most people, and because Hollywood was looked at as as you know the mecca of America at that time. And and don't be confused because Pasadena is not Hollywood, but that's what they selected they selected pasadena and they got that you know huge crowd and listen usa 94 is still to this day the most attended world cup in history and it's not going to be passed in my opinion until we get to usa or united 2026 um and then I, there's a lot more matches it's and the stadiums are just as big if not bigger so you will see that record get smashed in 2026 but in today's FIFA, their their focus is elsewhere. Their their interests are are their monetary interests are driven have different drivers, if you will. And attendance now is is a minor thing because FIFA what they do now is yeah smaller stadium will charge more for tickets. That's all they're gonna do. That's all there is to it. They'll make up the difference because they're gonna drive up the price. Of, they're using that model that fewer fewer seats, you know, fewer supply drives higher demand and higher demand, you know, pulls higher prices. So that is what FIFA will do. And I think Dallas hosts a semifinal. In fact, if I organized this competition and I have a little experience organizing leagues and tournaments i did a little bit of it in a previous job okay nothing on the scale of this obviously but what i would do because you want to minimize travel or at least you want to keep travel equal and this may be in my this is 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 a maybe i'm stretching here but this is why i think there may be two texas stadiums when you didn't see two in florida for example I think Dallas and Houston are going to host the semifinals. I really do. I could see the four quarterfinal matches being played along the West. You could see uh, Seattle, San Francisco, LA, and maybe one other city. Maybe if they're all in the United States, Kansas City would get that other that other bid, I suppose. Um, I don't. Maybe they, I could be completely wrong on this, but from a logistical standpoint, you play the four quarterfinals along the way. Maybe you can't do that because Kansas City would have a huge, the team that win comes out of Kansas City would have a huge advantage in travel. So maybe you use the two coasts. So in the quarterfinals, 
you have two cities, two West Coast cities. All right, the four winners now travel to to Dallas and to Houston, same distance roughly from East Coast to West Coast. You play those two games, and now because whichever flight is shorter from Houston to New York or from Dallas to New York plays second. So the first semifinal would be played in in either it looks to me from the naked eye that Houston is further from New York. So Houston would play the Tuesday semifinal. Dallas would play the Wednesday semifinal. And the two teams travel to New York, and you put the third-place game in L.A. That's what I would do. The only problem with that is FIFA dignitaries having to fly across the country overnight to get from the third-place match to the final. So maybe they play the third-place match in Philadelphia, or they played in Miami. Okay? Perhaps they play it in Miami. Um, but getting back on track here, I think Dallas is going to host a semifinal. I don't think they're going to host the final, but I think they're going to host the semifinal. Okay? And um, staying in Texas, like I said, NRG Stadium, Houston, home of the Houston Texans of the National Football League. Uh, capacity is 72,220. They have hosted numerous Super Bowls. Uh, I should also mention East Rutherford has also hosted the Super Bowl, and they called it a New York Super Bowl. They did not call it the New Jersey Super Bowl. AT&T Stadium, Dallas, Texas, has also hosted the Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. They've hosted the National Championship game in college football. These are big events. This experience matters. All right. Um, NRG Stadium, it just says that is 72,220. No longer has a grass uh, surface, so they'll have to install one. Not a big deal for them. Again, for the amount of money and the amount of business it's bringing to these cities, this is nothing. So they will happily put that in, and uh, I think Houston will be a great facility as well. It's a great city, one of the booming markets here in the United States, and I think they're going to be very good hosts. Uh, staying centrally is – I was so glad that this city got to host. I have visited this city. Um, it is one of the capitals of this sport in this country. In a city where people support the United States, okay? these Our cities here on the coasts, it's that's not the case. On the west coast, Mexico is king. On the east coast, there's a different, you know, each, each region has its own, you know, large immigrant populations that support other countries. In Kansas City, KCMO, congratulations, USA is number one. And... Arrowhead Stadium holds 76,416. This is a great, great location. I love this city. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit biased because I loved my time there when I traveled there. Uh, the nicest people I have met in the United States of America are in Kansas City. Okay. Um, the sport is booming there. Sporting Kansas City are a very successful club on and off the pitch ever since they rebrand. I I think that this is this is like an unofficial home field for the United States, to be honest. I hope the United States' group plays at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. This is where I want to see the U.S. play. Um, sorry to the elites on the East and the West Coast, but the, 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 the support for the Stars and Stripes is in the breadbasket of America. It's in the middle. It's in the Midwest. That's where... 
they should play their World Cup matches. And um, I hope that I'm proven right. Um, so 76,416, that is Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City, currently the home of the Kansas City Chiefs, currently an artificial surface. That'll not going to be an issue. Um, it, it did not host at the last World Cup, but it did host the Kansas City Wizards, Kansas City Wiz, as they were known, uh, for many years until the move to Kansas City, Kansas, where they play in uh, their current you know, soccer specific stadium when they rebranded as SKC. So those are the, the centrally located stadiums. And then what we learned was in the central region, thanks to FIFA's geography, uh, Mercedes Benz stadium in Atlanta. This is a great stadium too. Um, Mercedes Benz stadium holds 71,000 in the bid. It's was said to hold 75,000. It's also said to be expandable to 83,000. Um, again, this could be a, a major, uh, quarterfinal or semifinal city. If my theory on where the semifinals will go, is wrong. Uh, Atlanta could certainly play. It's, uh, it's a huge, huge hub. People are moving there in droves. It's one of the fastest growing cities in America with maybe the hottest soccer culture in America. Thanks to Atlanta United. And, uh, this is one of the stadiums that is an MLS stadium, even though it's, a it's not a soccer-specific stadium. And, yes, they'll have to put natural grass in there. That's kind of the, the, the story for the rest of these stadiums for the most part. I may get to one more. There may be one here that doesn't have – yeah, there's, I think, one more that doesn't have uh, – two more to go that don't have uh, artificial surface. But, um, yeah, Atlanta is going to be a great city. I don't think there's any surprise there. Philadelphia. Philadelphia. They uh, host for the first. They hosted the Women's World Cup in twenty in twenty o three at this location at Lincoln Financial Field, as it's called. However, um, again, it'll be the Philadelphia World Cup Stadium at that time. Holds sixty nine thousand seven hundred and ninety six grass surface. Nothing really needs to be done to it. Uh, it's a perfect location, and again, the United States showing why. We're maybe the only country that could host this World Cup with virtually no notice. We would just have to book out the dates at these stadiums. Uh, this is one of the magnificent ones. Uh, again, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the birthplace of America in what will be the 250th birthday for America in 2026. Can't get more perfect than that. America's first capital now involved in the World Cup. Uh, continuing with uh, the stadiums here, we go to Los Angeles. SoFi Stadium win beats out the Rose Bowl for the bid. This was really a battle of two stadiums to be the L.A. host. I don't think L.A. was ever in doubt to not host, just like New York. Um, so I put in, in, in parentheses down there Inglewood because SoFi Stadium is in Inglewood. Rose Bowl is in Pasadena. Um, the SoFi Stadium is said to be expandable to 100,240. But its capacity currently listed at 70,240. So somewhere in there, there's room for 30,000 more seats, according to the bid. Um, there is one small thing they're going to have to do. They're going to have to demolish some of the wall, remove some of the luxury suites around the, on the ground level. The field level luxury suites will have to be demolished, at least for a couple of for a year or so, um, so that we can widen the pitch. And it can get the full 105 by 68 into that arena 
into that stadium. There is a roof on this one, just like in Houston and just like in Atlanta. I forgot to mention Atlanta, Houston, and uh, Dallas, along with Los Angeles, all have roofs on the stadium. So the roof will be closed at game time, I'm sure, because FIFA hates shadows. Another reason I don't think we're going to play a lot of daytime games. The shadows look horrible on television. And FIFA is very, very picky about those things nowadays. This is not the 94 World Cup anymore. Okay. This is not 86 with Maradona playing in the sunshine and the, you know, the, the sh half the field being in the shadow at the Azteca. This is a very much more modern uh, World Cup. And I think that the roofs will be closed during these matches if they are in the daytime. And, um, of course, that will keep the noise in, too, which will make it a loud World Cup, which is exciting. But uh, they'll obviously figure out the dimensions issue. There's so much money here that it's not it's going to be a drop in the bucket to make these these changes. And they'll probably reinstall these luxury suites later uh, on the ground floor. But the, the real cool thing is the oval-shaped video board at SoFi Stadium. State-of-the-art, brand-new. It goes around the field, um, goes around above the field, around the stadium. So everyone has a fantastic view of the of the video board, a very similar one in Atlanta as well. Um, so that is L.A. And I think L.A. gets possibly the opening match if it doesn't go to Mexico City. I think L.A. gets the opening match and um, probably gets the third place match if I. If I were planning this, it gets the third place match, not the final, for reasons I've already stated. Moving on from, from L.A., we stay in California. San Francisco Bay Area, they're calling it, as the host. And it is Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara, California, home of the San Francisco 49ers that has hosted big events. It's hosted Super Bowls. Uh, WrestleMania, which is a huge event as far as putting on an event and the amount of people that they get even more people in there because you can seat another 20,000 people on the field. Um, no stranger to big events and um, fantastic location. No, nothing to say, nothing to complain about. Natural grass surface, not used for Major League Soccer, so you don't have to worry about it. FIFA can come in whenever they need to and get everything up to snuff. Um Perfect, absolutely perfect location for World Cup matches. Like I said, 68,500, expandable out to 75,000. So we'll see how many of these are actually expanded. Uh, my neck of the woods, they call it Boston. I'll call it Foxborough. I know I got on everyone about New York, New Jersey, but Foxborough is literally an hour from Boston. It's 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 like 30 miles away, 28 miles, something like that. Um, but... Boston has some other uh, um, other advantages, and I'm gonna. I'll, I guess I'll circle back to Boston in a minute. Um, I'll go. I'll do that one last because I have some insight. Uh, Miami's Hard Rock Stadium also selected with a capacity of sixty four thousand seven hundred sixty seven bid book capacity, um, meaning that it will be at about sixty seven thousand five hundred and eighteen come World Cup time. Again, Miami's Hard Rock Stadium is gorgeous. I mean, this is Miami is the capital of Latin America, like we said on, on the show. Um, you know, when they were interviewing people, Miami, and I watched some of the the highlights from the newscast in Miami. 
Miami is the the cultural hub of Latin America here in the in it's in the United States. Uh, such a diverse place. The mayor of Miami said that they usually have to close the city down when there are World Cup games on television. Certain streets have to be blocked off and closed to accommodate the people. He can't even imagine how much work it's going to be when they host matches. I think Miami's going to be fantastic. The only thing, my real concern about Miami is weather. It is not a cut. There is no roof. There's a roof over the seats, but not over the pitch. And thunderstorms are very frequent in this time of year in Miami. Uh, a lot of heavy rain. We could get a, a soggy pitch. It's not ideal. I think they'll make it work, though. I think Miami will make it work. Again, another stadium that has hosted all the big events, Super Bowls, um, WrestleManias, you know, thing, things along those lines, uh, Orange Bowls, College National Championship games. They've hosted them all. They know what they're doing, and they can run big events in Miami. And uh, so I'll, in Seattle, also selected to nobody's um, – to nobody's surprise, 69,000 is the capacity of Lumen Field, and it's the home of the Seattle Sounders. They believe they won the bid over uh, with that beautiful crowd in the CONCACAF Champions League final where the Sounders finally broke the jinx and finally brought the CONCACAF Champions League title to Major League Soccer, beating a Liga Emeki's side in their home stadium. The biggest home advantage, perhaps, in, in North America is Lumen Field. And if the United States don't play in Kansas City, I hope they play in Seattle, but I bet you they're going to play in L.A. because I just said a little while ago that I think L.A. is going to get the opening match. Um, even if it, I've also heard the theory of three opening matches, one in each country with full. It wouldn't put put it past FIFA to, for, to extend the pageantry to do it three times. That makes all the sense in the world. So um, we'll see where the United States plays, but they'll definitely have a great home field advantage in Seattle. And that brings me back to Boston now. And um, you'll notice it seems like from what I'm hearing, from what I'm reading, what I'm having in, in, in private conversations is that Boston seems to have beat out D.C. Okay. I'm shocked that D.C., even though the stadium was going to be in Baltimore because FedEx Field is a disaster and it's not in D.C. anyway. And RFK Stadium is condemned. And why don't the Washington football team, why don't they go back, rebuild RFK Stadium in that location and put the team back in D.C., let that Landover, Maryland landfill, that is FedEx field, crumble. Let that be, be deteriorated. Let that you know go to waste and get back into Washington, D.C. If there had been a stadium in Washington, D.C., I think D.C. gets this bid. Now, why so why Boston beats out DC Maryland? I had to think about this and I had to look into some things. Now, Gillette Stadium's capacity right now 65,878. Their capacity in the bid book is 70,000. So it looks like they can expand a little bit and get 70,000 in there. Both stadiums use an artificial surface, so that's not the, the thing. I think the thing that, that won this bid for Boston, and I happen to, to be aware of this, which a lot of people aren't, a year ago maybe, excuse me, a year ago maybe, maybe a year and a half ago, new training pitches were opened at Gillette Stadium. And when FIFA came to tour, they saw these new training pitches under construction. 
um, grass training pitches. What was revealed to us from the New England Revolution, someone in the, I forget who, but someone in the New England Revolution's, you know, um, communications department, someone in the New England Revolution's, you know, know, know-how, said that FIFA was requiring four grass training pitches at stadiums or asking for that. I don't know if they were requiring, but they were asking for it. Gillette Stadium now has like eight, thanks to this new construction. It was sold at the time as an investment in the New England Revolution Youth Academy, which undoubtedly that is what it will be after 2026 because it's more more space for the Youth Academy to train and play and um, further really tying the, the New England Revolution to Gillette Stadium. Um, but again... Uh, I think these day, these pitches, these training pitches were installed to get this bid, not to better the experience for the New England Revolution Youth Academy. That's not what I think was really the motivation. That's the selling point to us here in New England. But I think the real selling point was to FIFA. And I'm vaguely familiar with the stadium in Baltimore. I've seen it. I've been there. I've been by it, I should say. I've been to Baltimore a number of times. Thanks to this great sport of football, I've been to I've been to Baltimore, and Baltimore Stadium is located in a sweet location, right next to Camden Yards. Okay, right next to the baseball park, right off of downtown, right off of the Inner Harbor. Okay, when we used to have the coaching conventions there, you know, it was one of the spots you could see from anywhere, pretty much. You could walk there. Um, that whole area of Baltimore is fantastic. They are having a little bit of a crime problem recently it's it's spiked a bit so that may be a reason why um why baltimore and dc may have lost out as well because both of those cities are having uh, a little more trouble than others uh, in in you know tackling crime right now but the idea was that the fan fest was going to be on the national mall and from what i understand it's still there's still going to be a fan fest on the national mall but i don't know who's driving to washington dc to watch matches on a big screen if their team isn't there um but i thought that was a cool idea with the national mall as a fan fest location the matches being played at at the stadium in baltimore where the baltimore ravens play not far away at all all right baltimore and washington dc are not far from each other at all so it even makes some sense. It's not ideal, but it was the best option when when FIFA saw FedEx Field falling apart, essentially. I heard that on their tour, pieces of concrete were falling. And they, they saw that and um, literally saw this dilapidated stadium in the state it was in. And there was no way they were going to put the World Cup in it. And then they kind of readjusted the bid and they included Baltimore, merged with Baltimore. I think Baltimore had its own bid at the time. They merged them together. I think the one thing that it's lacking, because again, that area of Baltimore is awesome and it's downtown. Gillette Stadium is not downtown by any means. It's going to be a hike to get from Boston or from Providence. They're both, you know, similar distance to Gillette Stadium. For supporters, traveling supporters from around the world that are not familiar, it, it could be a logistical headache to get out to Foxborough from either Boston or Providence. Um, or even Hartford, even that's that's also a possibility. But uh, whereas Baltimore, you know, you get in the, you get off the airport, you get on the train, you're downtown. There's your stadium. 
DC, you can hop on a train from DC. It's very easy to have shuttle services. They had it in the works. Shuttle services from DC to, to, to Baltimore would have been easy. I don't think Baltimore has the space in its urban center where they have this stadium located for the training pitches. I'm assuming the training pitches, if I had to guess, would be at DC United Academy, probably too far away. That's my guess. That's my guess. I have a little bit of information, and I make maybe maybe expand it a little too far and make an educated guess. But that's my guess as to why Boston was selected and not DC. So who else was not? Who else was snubbed? Let's go to that real quickly. Um, we've got Cincinnati. My heart breaks for Cincinnati, as you know. I'm headed there on, on an upcoming. Uh, tour this summer, like I said, I'm going to be I'm going to be doing a little bit of a stadium tour, and I'm headed to Cincinnati. That's the city I'm most excited about because I've never been there. Um, and my heart breaks from them because I think they deserve to host this uh, World Cup. Denver, um, I don't know how much of a realistic chance they had. I, again, I feel for Denver because there's no good reason why they're not. Other than the fact that somebody had to be left out, you can blame. You can't point to the altitude because you're playing in Mexico City, so that altitude, uh, that altitude argument goes out the window. Um, again, the, when you look at the map, this is very coast heavy. Denver is not on the coast; it's much more centrally located, and Denver would have had to, I guess, displace Kansas City, and I don't want to see that happen to Kansas City. Told you how I feel about Kansas City. So um, I've been to Denver as well. It's a beautiful city. But um, I really think, honestly, after watching this play out, this is going to be a controversial talk, a controversial opinion, unpopular by some. The United States should have hosted this alone. Denver, Cincinnati, Nashville, and Orlando all have better bids, sorry, than Toronto. Monterey, Guadalajara. Even better than Vancouver. Okay. I understand why it was a united bid of three nations. That is what it is. Maybe we could have had more facility. Maybe we could have had more venues. I really think all of these cities that got snubbed, their, their facilities surpass. Anything you're going to see at the Qatar World Cup, this they're going to surpass anything we saw in Russia in 2018. Okay, all of these are World Cup quality facilities, quality cities with quality airports. You don't have to take a bus from one city to another for four hours like you do in some other countries, because there's only a limited number of international airports. Um, yeah, I feel for these cities, especially Nashville. Nashville is one that I, I, I would replace one of the Texas. I would have replaced Houston with Nashville, to be honest. Uh, Nashville is such a cultural capital right now. Another huge growing city. Uh, some people call it the Vegas of the East. Um, however, I do understand what was the problem with the Nashville Bid, I have looked into it. I've watched, you know, like I said on YouTube, a lot of their local coverage. And basically the sports commissioner in Tennessee and the gaming commissioner in Tennessee said that 
you know. The uncertainty about the future of Nissan Stadium is ultimately what they think did them in. That's why they want to demolish already Nissan Stadium. It's fairly new, but they want to demolish it and build a new one with a with the roof. And it makes sense because Nashville is a great city, a young city, and soccer is a sport for young people in this country. All right, the football audience is the youngest of all the sports here, on average. Nashville wants to ho- wanted to host the World Cup, but they want to host the Super Bowl. They want to host the Final Four. WrestleMania. I'm telling you, that's a huge one. That brings a ton of money to cities when they go there. It wants to host big UFC events. It wants to host, you know, college football, major bowl games, championship bowl games, the SEC championship. Maybe they want to compete for that. It's unfortunate, though, that the uncertainty about the future of of Nissan Stadium sounds like it cost Nashville their bid. And I do hope they get that world, you know, state of the art, world class stadium, so they can start hosting these events. I can't. I gotta visit Nash. I'm gonna say this right now, on the 2023 PTV Stadium tour, I'm I'm penciling in Nashville. I don't care how long I have to drive to get there, to be honest, because this entire tour I'm doing, guys, I'm doing it in my Honda Civic. So uh, yeah, even with gas prices up at five bucks a, a gallon, it's uh. Still the most economical way to do it. But yeah, so I think that was the issue. Orlando, um, a lot of people close to the situations at Orlando, it was just not feasible. Um, there wasn't the, the the environment, I guess the urban um, in, environment around to hold these people. Plus Disney takes up so many of the tourists and so many of the rooms and things like that, that it was going to be hard to get anybody into uh, Orlando and to put on a good show in Orlando at Camping World Stadium. Um, fortunately for people in Orlando, Miami's very close to them. It's a couple of hours drive, and they will be in Miami. Um, but that's that's what I got. I Again, I, this sounds somewhat controversial, and it's not meant to be, but I am disappointed at this point that the United States is not hosting the entire tournament in the United States because we have more than enough facilities. There's even other ones that dropped their bids that could also, we could have done 16 stadiums in the U S and had the best run world cup of all time. It may still be the best run world. It will probably still be the best run world cup of all time, but Monterrey, Guadalajara, Mexico city are very far away from some of these other locations. And I know FIFA has said they're going to regionalize, you know, play so that teams aren't going back and forth across the continent. Um, that theory may lend Dallas as a possible uh, final. That may throw my theory of New York hosting the final out the door. But you know what? I'll close with this. You saw where they had the the show, the special, the selection special. You saw where Johnny Infantino flew into. You saw where they set up a TV show. They chose New York. Big business, big media. They all want to be in New York. In closing, I'm going to predict that New York hosts the final. Sorry, LA. Sorry, Dallas. 
both worthy locations. But I think the the fact that New York is the center of the universe when it comes to when you think of America from outside of the United States, yeah, it's New York that they want to be in. Um, New York didn't get it last time. L.A. did. But last time, the final was selected by the USA 94 organizing committee. This time, it was selected by FIFA or will be selected by FIFA. I will I will bet the house that it's on that it is in New York, New Jersey. All right, I'm going to take a quick little break here. I know it's been a while, been over an hour already. Um, but when I come back, I'll give you my thoughts on MLS's uh, new streaming deal with Apple TV. Here's a quick little video, and um, be right back. <laughs> Welcome back. Episode 86. All right. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit now about the MLS Apple TV deal that has been a lot of, you know, it's been out there now for about a week, almost a week. Um, yeah, about a week. I have the press release here and this is right on Apple's website. So this is coming directly from Apple. I'll read it first. I'll start with that. And then I'll give my thoughts on it. Um, it says Apple and Major League Soccer to present an all MLS to present all MLS matches around the world for ten years, beginning in 2023, and a historic first for sports fans. Um, for sorry, in a historic first for sports fans can stream every single Major League Soccer match through the Apple TV app without any local blackouts or restrictions. Right there, I'm already a fan. I'm already a fan. As a cord cutter, that is the best thing I've heard. Um, the worst thing is when you go to ESPN Plus and you want to watch a match and it's blocked out in your local region. I understand that many of you and many who watch this league still watch on, on television, on cable, or on linear television. This does not rule out... And it clearly states that there will still be a linear package of made available. Both Fox and ESPN will still get an opportunity to show matches on linear television. They will not have the exclusive rights to it, which diminishes the value. But you will still find some Major League Soccer on your TV screen if you're still living in the 1990s and you're still watching on cable. No, I'm just kidding. No, but seriously... Um, the few we've all said the future of sports is streaming. This is not new. Major League Soccer takes a big plunge of faith, and I think this is the right call. They're getting in early. You could say, "Oh, Apple has no has no experience." Well, you got to start somewhere. 
CBS had no experience covering our sport when they landed the rights to the UEFA Champions League and put it on. Oh, the, the big thing is you're putting it behind a paywall. Well, guess what? Everything you watch is behind a paywall now. UFC has been behind a paywall since its inception. That hasn't stopped its growth into one of the big sports in the world and in, in the country. There's a huge overreaction about a paywall when people are still willingly paying $210, $220 a month for cable subscriptions to which they watch a tenth of the channels that they subscribe to. My guess is this is going to be like a four, five, six dollar a month paywall. And you get all the matches in one place. It doesn't get better than that. You're going to get better coverage because they're going to create original MLS programming. You're going to get pre and post game. You're going to get a wraparound show on Saturday nights. As a podcaster, I've been begging for this. Part of the reason I can't talk Major League Soccer as much as I'd like to is because it's impossible to keep up with thirty with twenty what twenty eight teams at once. But now you're putting it all in one place. It makes that job a lot more doable. Matches on Saturday and Wednesday, by and large, you cannot complain about that. Let's. I'll read some more of the press release. Apple and Major League Soccer today announced this was on June the fourteenth that Apple that. The Apple TV app will be the exclusive destination to watch every single MLS uh, match beginning in 2023. This partnership will be a historic first for a major professional sports league and will allow fans around the world to watch Major League Soccer, League's Cup, which I talked about that uh, a little bit. I'm sure when it, it approaches, I'll talk about it more. And some select MLS Next Pro and MLS Next Matches. Those are you. I believe MLS Next is the continuation or the the um, the <laughs> is the successor to what was the DA, the United States Development Academy, and MLS MLS Next Pro is essentially the new reserves league for by you know for lack of a better term. Um, so now you can even watch that. You can keep up with your club's youth and reserve teams. If you're a diehard fan, there's nothing better for you. Yeah, if you're a casual fan, it may be hard to find. But you know what? How many people have Apple products? How many people have? I'm sure a lot of people have Apple products and Apple uh, TV. And I am sure that a lot of people will still find this. On Apple. And I'm sure that Apple's going to add other content that's going to bring other eyeballs to the platform that could still stumble them into Major League Soccer. And this is all without any local, like we said, any local bra broadcast blackouts or the need for traditional pay TV bundle. Now, I had a feeling this was going to happen. I didn't know it was going to be Apple, but I had a feeling it was going to be an all streaming package. I thought it was going to stay with ESPN3, to be honest, or ESPN Plus, excuse me. But a year or two ago, Major League Soccer told their clubs to not make any more deals with their regional sports networks or regional TV deals. Okay. Um, obviously, that was with this in mind. 
They knew that the television contract was expiring at the end of this season, the 2022 season. Now, the business side of the game is something I try to follow very closely. It's something that's incredibly um, interesting to me, much almost almost sometimes more than the play on the pitch. Not for, and that's not that's just football in general because it's it. When you talk about football on the pitch, a lot of people know what they're talking about. A lot of people give good information, give good analysis. But a lot of people are good, and when a lot of people are good, they start to sound the same, myself included. Much more interesting to hear about the media and the business side sometimes. It's a good change of pace. So I, I have so I did know that the TV contract was expiring. Now, when this news broke, I had my phone blowing up from some people. One very notable person whose name I won't mention, <laughs> who has been on this show plenty of times, who said RIP MLS, and, and I, that couldn't be further from the truth. This is quite the opposite. This guarantees 10 years of life to Major League Soccer. You see, because I'm 39 years old and I have seen this league from its... I remember the very first match. In fact, I was watching uh, clips of it today on YouTube. Um, I remember the very first ever MLS match. I watched it. I watched it in anticipation. Couldn't wait for this league to start. I saw this league nearly die. I saw it contract down to eight teams. And we didn't know if there was going to be a next season. Now you're going to tell me 20 years later, not only is there going to be a next season, there's 10 more seasons. And Major League Soccer is going to collect $2.5 billion for it. This is phenomenal business. You cannot just look at this as a salary cap and players on the pitch. There are hundreds of football leagues in the world. Okay? Major League Soccer is better than 95% of them. We, we forget that all the time. We compare it to the Premier League. We compare it to La Liga. We compare it to the Bundesliga, to the Serie A, you name it. I'll even say we can compare it to the, to the EFL Championship as well. You can also compare it to the Brasileiro, the Liga Emekis, Okay? Um, whether or not Major League Soccer is better than these leagues, I don't know. Okay, I watch a lot of leagues, and it's there's you know, some leagues are better than others, no doubt about it. Some leagues are better than others, but I think that overall, Major League Soccer is one of the best run leagues in the world. And a lot of my criticism have been about that, but the truth is. And I've heard it from players, okay? I didn't come up with this myself. I've heard this from players in interviews they've given around the world in which they say that Major League Soccer is the best-run league they've ever been in. May not be the best tactical league, not may not be the best technical league, but every team has state-of-the-art facilities. Every player's paycheck clears every single time. Every match is televised. Most stadiums are full. Most stadiums have very good attendance. Not every team is operating in the black, okay? Some some teams are still operating in the red. This is much needed resources to those clubs in smaller markets. It's not about just going out and signing the best players. That doesn't work. You're not going to compete with the Premier League. You're not going to compete with La Liga in that realm. 
and you don't even want to be competing with the Chinese Super League or with the Persian Gulf League or the, you know, the Qatari League, the Saudi League, where money is thrown out the window to bring in stars. You want a sustainable model. And you want to keep the competitive balance. Another thing foreign players love about Major League Soccer, and I've heard this from a dozen in different interviews, in different languages, in different parts of the, of the world. Every single team's fan base goes into the opening day of Major League Soccer believing that they have a chance to win. That happens in no other league. No other league. Not even in Brazil. Not even in Mexico. Okay. Nobody in Juarez believes that Juarez is going to win the, the Liga Mekis title. Nobody at Atletico Goianes believes that Atletico Goianes is going to win the Brazilian title. Or that, you know, it's, it's just not going to happen. So, this deal is very good for Major League Soccer. They're on a cutting-edge platform. They're going to be getting the... Des- the attention and the quality coverage that they that the league deserves. No more playing play, cru, crucial playoff games on Tuesday night to avoid Monday night football and to avoid Wednesday night basketball and to avoid Thursday night hockey. None of that. You have your fans and your fans are going to watch. And I think the fan base is going to grow. You grow it by improving the game day experience. You grow it by being more active in your local communities, sending these players out to schools to speak to kids, to go to, to practices and, and kick with these kids. That's how you grow the fan base. That's how you grow a lifelong fan. Major League Soccer can do that. You don't grow it by being on ESPN. When ESPN has had 26 years to grow this sport, and they're not doing a good job anymore. ESPN and Fox's TV numbers are abysmal. There's no reason to keep going with them and to be getting underpaid for it. On Apple, like I said, you get the wraparound show. You're going to get a weekly show. You're going to get coverage inside the club. I think this is going to be phenomenal. This is going to give the user... Or the fan, sorry, the fan. All kinds of content about his or her favorite team now. They're going to be even more immersed in their club. You're always going to have to compete with European football. You're always going to have to compete with traditional American sports. No TV deal is going to change that. You can sign Zlatan. You can sign Beckham. That doesn't take away the fact that you're always going to be struggling behind the NFL. If you try to go after the NFL, you're going to lose. If you try to go after the Premier League, you're going to lose or the Champions League. You just don't have – it's not something you can do realistically. I think that this deal is going to grow this for another – you've guaranteed another generation of fans in America that Major League Soccer will be there. This is a – huge source of revenue because you're not going to sell too many more expansion franchises. And what will hurt the the game is when clubs pick up and move the way other American sports teams do. That's going to be, that's what you can't have happen. And here is a steady flow of revenue that will help prevent that. Here is 
in uh, Hercules Gomez and Sebastian Salazar talked about this on Football Americas. And this is an opportunity that they said for the league to buoy up the big TV markets. You still need them. You need New York. You need Chicago. You need Los Angeles. You need Boston. You need Washington, D.C. You need Houston to all be very relevant. That means you got to get the revolution into Boston. I know I just said that they're going to be tied to Gillette even longer. But as long as the Kraft family owns both both franchises, I see a perfectly legitimate future with the revolution training at Gillette Stadium and training at the at the training facilities they've just created for them and playing their matches in another Kraft owned stadium in the city. That's not a that's more or less what the Red Bulls do. So you get you got to get New York City into a stadium that's not Yankee Stadium. Right? You got to you got to find a way to build in New York City. You got to find a way. These extra millions of dollars may be able to get that extra research to get those extra people on board that can that have the influence to make this happen. Okay? You've got to fix these markets. Chicago has got that's a big big problem in the league right now. Is what's going on in Chicago, so that needs to be resolved. Okay, you got you got one more uh, expansion team coming in in the foreseeable future, according to Don Garber. That's likely going to be Las Vegas. We'll see how that works out. But again. This I'm going to continue to read this, okay? Uh, from early to 2023 to, to through, excuse me, 2032, fans can get every live MLS match by subscribing to a new MLS streaming service available exclusively through the Apple TV app. I have the Apple TV app. I'm not an Apple user. I don't have an iPhone. I don't have a Mac, but I got the Apple TV app because I got it to watch Ted Lasso. And no, I don't think Ted Lasso is a shoe-in to, to tell Apple, hey, let's get into soccer now. Apple is getting into this because Apple wants to use this to gain, to show other leagues that they can also, you know, stream their, their product, whether it's the NBA, the NFL, uh, the Premier League, who knows, okay? The, who knows, where, Formula One, things like that. Um there's there's a lot of things you can do to show that you're committed to the product, and to in this, I think this is a win-win because I think Major League Soccer is going to get Apple's best, and Apple in turn is going to get the best out of Major League Soccer because you know what Major League Soccer is responsible for producing all these television broadcasts, which means don't cry your eyes out for your local commentators. They're going to be, they're just going to be working for Apple now most likely. Okay. Um, so I, it won't surprise me if the same production companies that produce the home matches for local television are going to produce them for Apple TV, okay? And I don't think they do all that bad of a, of a job, okay? Uh, some are better than others, like in anything. But I don't think – I think they've improved significantly. I watch a lot of different ones because of the ESPN+. Uh, Plus. I've seen a lot of different broadcasts from a lot of different home networks. So I think it, the good thing is – on Apple, there'll be a uniform look. There'll be a uniform set of graphics. Things will look familiar. And the best part is why the NFL does so much better than the other American sports is those fixed days and times where you know they are on. 
every Sunday, you know, football starts at 1, 4.35 and whatever, 8, or 4.15 and 8.35, whatever. I don't watch the NFL, but even I know that if you look at that time, you're going to find a game on Fox, NBC, CBS, whatever is appropriate at that time. Major League Soccer, well, they can't do it on the big networks. They can do it here. And you know, on Saturday at 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. or Saturday at 4 p.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m., your team is playing, and you don't have to worry about what network they're on. They're on the Apple TV app. I think for fans that are already, I've heard, I've seen fans say they're not going to subscribe. I doubt that. That will last a week or two. They're not going to miss their team. MLS has some of the most dedicated hardcore fans. They don't have the casual fan. We know that. But they do have that hardcore base. And that hardcore base is going to get Apple TV+. And what they don't even, what they fail to, to mention on most of the stories, most of the people covering this, season ticket holders are going to have it included in their season ticket package. Which means, okay, they're also going to be opened up to other Apple TV programming. A certain percentage of them will be like, hey, this is pretty cool. And when it's no longer free, they'll continue to pay for it. Okay, I, I, I truly believe that. Um, I don't think it's going to be long before Apple adds another sport, to be honest with you. They're going to have the League's Cup. That's going to bring in a lot of Mexican-American eyes to watch the product. That's going to be the only place you can watch the League's Cup in the United States. Okay, it's not, I don't believe it's going to be on Univision. Okay, I believe it's going to be exclusive to Apple TV. So if you're a Club America or a Chivas fan living in the United States, you're going to subscribe to this to watch them. Okay, and you're probably going to keep it because people don't tend to cancel their streaming packs. It's just a, a fact. Um, okay, moving down here. Uh, it says the MLS live and on-demand content, on, which is very good, the on-demand part, on the Apple TV app will be available to anyone with Internet access across all devices where the app can be found, including iPhone, iPad, Mac, Apple TV 4K, Apple TV HD, Samsung, LG, Panasonic, Sony, TCL, Vizio, and other smart TVs, Amazon Fire and Roku devices, which I'm a Roku guy, PlayStation and Xbox gaming consoles, Chromecast, and even on Comcast Xfinity. For the first time, here's a quote, for the first time in the history of sports, fans will be able to access everything from a major sports league in one place. Yes, this makes this look major. I agree. This is not minor league in any way to me. This is major. This is cutting edge. This is next generation. Major League Soccer got there first. I see a day where the NHL is going to follow this model. Because you know what? Outside of a couple of pockets, nobody's watching the NHL on television either. And the amount of money that TNT Turner paid to put the NHL on television along with ESPN, they're going to stop. They're, I don't believe they're going to see the numbers to justify those costs. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if by the time this 10-year contract is up, the NHL is on a similar, is on a similar um, plan with another platform. Or with this one, but with, with a streaming service. Also, fans move. The day of growing up in the town, you know, growing up in a town and living your whole life there has doesn't really happen that often anymore. People grow up, they move. That's why you have fans in different cities. 
So you grow up in New England and you move like so many New Englanders to Nashville or to Florida or to Arizona, to California, wherever you're moving, Texas. New Englanders are going everywhere. It doesn't matter. You can still watch your team. You don't lose touch with your team living abroad. Not abroad, but living in another area. I know friends of mine that have moved away that have to, you know, have to hack, basically, geo-hack into into streaming device to watch the Celtics or the Red Sox because of uh, everything's done on local television other than the nationally televised games. I think Major League Soccer has is ahead of the curve here and is ahead of that problem. Wherever you go in the world, in the world, you can watch your Major League Soccer club. You can move away and watch your club week in and week out the way I watch my club on the other side of the ocean. On the screen, I'm showing my Mr. Benfica t-shirt because I am Mr. Benfica. That's my other podcast. And you know I watch Benfica day and night. Okay, I watch the men's team. I watch the women's team. I watch the youth teams because I have the club's channel. Apple TV Plus is essentially giving every MLS fan a club channel for his or her club. So that that quote came from Eddie Q, Apple's senior vice president of services. Apple is the perfect partner to further accelerate the growth of Major League Soccer and deepen the connection between clubs and their fans, says Don Garber. Moving along because we're running we're running late here. This show's run longer than I wanted to, but um. I, as you can probably tell, I think this is a good thing. I'm looking forward to it because I'm a streamer. Here's my five bucks a month. I hope I can pay the entire year in one. What I love about these streaming packages is when you can pay a yearly rate, you usually get a discount for doing it, and you don't have to worry about it again. You don't have to worry about it. You pay it once, and it's done. You use your Christmas money. You use your whatever, and it's done, right? Um, I look forward to doing that next season, and I look forward to to. I think I'm going to watch this league closer than I ever have before, to be honest with you. I would even dare to say maybe I won't be seeing as much Liga Emekis going forward because I have this all-in-one spot. And even if I do, I can DVR Liga Emekis and I can watch Major League Soccer. I can watch the wraparound show. That's what I'm looking forward to. And just uh, the whip-around show, excuse me. And just keep track of more teams and more of what's going on. Really have a pulse of what's going on in the league. Okay. Um, the pros and cons. I think the pros, listen, the money is the pro it's going to cost major league soccer about 65 million a year. If I read that correctly to produce the matches, so you can cut that out of the profit. That's still, listen, $250 million a year of incoming revenue to stream games on a platform. On a platform with a name recognition like Apple. Apple has been producing baseball games. I, I don't care if it's not going to be perfect at first. But when we sit here in 10 years, I think it's gonna you're gonna you're gonna see Major League Soccer in a much better place than it is today. That's what I believe. I'm not interested in the casual fan anymore. I'm gonna be honest about that. I know that the the business line and but the, I think that's the business of the 90s business of the 2000s in the 20s here in the 2020s 
I think you have to cater to those who shell out their wallet for you. You cater to those hardcores. I know the belief was that hardcores will always be there. You give them what they get, and you try to bring in the casuals. I disagree. I think you keep the casual, you keep the hardcores happy, and I think once they get engaged on the platform, they're going to love this. Of course, unless you produce poor uh, content, but it's in the club's interest to produce good content. They're getting this giant rush of, of cash, of influx of cash. Invested in hiring the correct uh, creative people to create the programming, to create the, the broadcasts, the team-specific programming, the magazine shows, whatever. Okay, And really, really let your audience get to know your club. Behind-the-scenes footage is huge. More of that documentaries more things like you know the lafc documentary that's on that's on espn plus more things like that that is what's gonna endear your fan base to your club and make it generational so that their kids grow up red bulls revolution uh dc united sounders timbers lafc fans that's what they need to do it's not go sign Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi and everyone will come watch. They'll watch for a little while and then it just becomes another match. Same thing. We saw it with Beckham. We saw it with Zlatan. We saw it with Henri. It's a, yeah, it gives you an initial, you know, jump. But in the end, that's not how you're going to sustain the league long term. It's to, to sustain the fan base long term. Now, Naturally, with, with growing in revenue and growing income, the salary cap should grow. Um, I don't foresee any any MLS owner agreeing to, to scrap the salary cap. I've seen that suggested by reputable people, but I think that they're just missing the mark there. Um, I think that I don't see any major leagues. This isn't going to be the beginning of Pro-Rel, unfortunately. I'm a big proponent of Pro-Rel, but this... At least the league will be here in 10 years for us to argue about this some more, okay? Um, I guess that's going to do it for this episode. I really uh, hope that – well, the cons. I should have said the con. The cons are obvious. The game's not on network television, not on national TV. Uh, um, probably not going to be on, on too many bars. But you know what? We've had that for 25, 30 years now. And has it – I mean, it's grown, but – are you going to reach? Is there really anybody out there that's never heard of Major League Soccer at this point? I think most people have heard of it. If they haven't heard of it, they're not going to stumble across them and say, oh, what is this? People get into football either because they come from a footballing culture, they start playing football, or their kids start playing football. That's not going to change with the streaming package. And you know what? Streaming packs are becoming... Streaming is becoming so common that it's literally, you know, no different than, than getting cable. Um, everyone said that when, when they started with Netflix original series, oh, it's not on TV. Oh, yeah. Ted Lasso's never been on TV. And how many Americans have watched Ted Lasso? I mean, it's only been on Apple TV. And, you know, so many people have found their way to see it. They will find their way to Major League Soccer one way or another if the product is good. And the product being good is not always about getting big names. The front offices and the coaches need to get better and build better teams, play a 
be a better team. Play better. So, and actually, the the play on the pitch, the 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 play, the level of play is good. You can watch the 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 Belgian league, and the only difference between the Belgian league and Major League Soccer is that the top teams in the Belgian league get to go to major get to go to the UEFA Champions League, and they get an influx of cash for doing that. And Major League Soccer teams don't get that. You know, you don't get that with the CONCACAF Champions League. That's the only difference. The, the quality of play is no lower in Major League Soccer across the board, you know, on average than it is in the Belgian League or than it is even in, you know, in the Turkish League, you know, some leagues that are gaining, the Russian League. You know, Major League Soccer is right there with those clubs, right there with those leagues. There's more players here, okay? There's more opportunities. That's the other thing. There's more opportunities to play. And there is 20, what, 8, 27 solid clubs that even the clubs that don't look like they're doing well are still, they're solid. They, 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 they could be operating at losses, but there's nobody in danger of folding, for example. Okay, Um Major League Soccer handled the pandemic extremely well. Its clubs survived without too much noticeable damage, which is not the case around the world. Um, so we really got to get some of these things out of our minds that this is a, a retirement league. I heard that thrown out. That's a outdated expression. That was the case 10 years ago. Just because Insigne is coming to play for, for her TFC does not make this a retire or Chiellini to LAFC. That does not make this a retirement league. Major League Soccer, if you don't realize this, beats out a lot of European clubs on young Latin American talent. Ezekiel Barco, okay, when he came to Atlanta, Atlanta beat out big European clubs for him. Same for Diego Rossi when he came to LAFC. Okay, these are players that were wanted by big clubs, but major league soccer clubs had more financial might. And they'll continue to do that. We'll continue to sign good young talent from the Americas. Well, And you can always sprinkle in some stars from Europe. It, it, it's always going to be there. Okay, there are always going to be star players in Europe towards the end of their career that want to come to the United States because they want to live here and they can play for a few more years. That does not make the league as a whole a retirement league. Portland Timbers have a diehard fan base that sell out always. Seattle Sounders have, what, 35,000 season ticket holders or whatever it is. They don't sign retirement players you can do it without signing the names and when the opportunity to sign one of those names comes along you take it if it's in if it makes financial sense for you and for your club i think the future's bright for this league i've never been i've never been more up on this league than i am right now i've never been more positive about the future of this league than i am right now that's going to close this episode. Uh, make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button down there if you're still with me. Uh, on Apple, on Spotify, and all the podcast players, make sure you subscribe. Drop a five-star rating for me if you can. Help me continue to fund this project by doing that. Um, if you're going to be at one of the locations on my PTV tour, 
give me a shout on Twitter. Let me know you're there. Maybe I can meet up with you. And, uh, you know, maybe I can even get you on camera. I'm going to try to film some some video, make a little uh, travel video out of it. So uh, if you want to be on, let me know. All right. Uh, I'll put up the cities in just a second um, in the outro. And you'll see I'm headed to Yankee Stadium. I'm headed to Subaru Park. Headed to Audi Field and to TQL Stadium. That is, of course, New York, Philadelphia, uh, Washington, D.C., and Cincinnati this summer over the course of, of the month of July. So I look forward to that. And I'll be back at some point um, when work isn't too busy. I'll be back. I will, we'll circle back and we'll talk about the Champions League final. We'll talk about the Liga Mekis final at some point. Um, maybe together talk about we'll wrap up the women's champions league as well i'll give my final thoughts on that and uh we're counting down and building up to the start of the women's euro so that's all coming your way here on the park in the bus podcast thank you for listening thank you for watching i'm the mr mike agustino signing off here on the ptv media network